Eat Well, Move Well podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. Special guest, Katie Bowman, author of Whole Body Barefoot and founder of the Restorative Exercise Institute. Welcome to Eat Well, Move Well podcast, season two, episode two. And today we talk with our dear friend and uh, mentor, teacher, and great inspiration, Katie Bowman. Hi, Katie. Hi. So this is the 2-2 two, two podcast that I'm on. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. That only happens once. It does. Yeah. It's like yeah. a comic book edition or something, the 2-2. Two, two. So that's, yes. We are here with my good friends, Galena and Roland, so I'm excited. Yeah, us too. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this uh, the last couple of weeks, so it's, uh, it's good to have you on the show. We are um, real excited. Uh, we've known Katie, we've known you for, for a while now, and um, I'm really excited about the book. We got the book in the mail today, even though it's Sunday. Somehow it showed up on our doorstep, and uh, what a great-looking book. I had, I had it special delivered on Sunday for you guys, and thank you very much. I, Out of all my book covers, I think this is my favorite one. I'm very excited. Good. The book is called Whole Body Barefoot. Yes. And uh, we just had it here. You set it down. Transit, uh, transitioning Well to Minimal Footwear. That's the subtitle. Oh, perfect. Perfect. This is a, a subject near and dear to my heart and Galena's heart, so and it obviously must be to you because otherwise you wouldn't have written up a whole book on it. Right there, you go. Right. So we're going to jump right into this uh, this thing. Um, we we kind of came up with a couple questions ahead of time, and um, let's see. Uh, let's see. I can barely read that because my I'm not wearing my glasses. I'm going to let you the. Uh, so I'm the younger one, so I get to do the right. reading. So we kind of wanted to open with um, Roland. Recently came home and he was mildly irritated uh, by a conversation he had had the same day with with our friend, who we're going to call Tim, um, who's not t- the Tim, um, <laughs> who is a shoe designer. Like that's his job. Like he goes to work in the morning and he designs shoes all day long for this super high-end company that um, they they produce shoes for athletic teams and athletes and very high athletes. And this guy is like super confident in what he does. And you can tell more about the conversation. Yeah, I mean, he well, he doesn't just design shoes that you and I would wear that look like the athletic shoes. He designs the ones that the guys on the team are going to wear or if you're a race car driver special shoes. And I recognize everyone, you know, you need special shoes for some of these jobs. Just like a um, just like an astronaut needs special boots, right? <laughs> can't, go bare, can't go barefoot up there. No, no, I can't go barefoot in space. Yeah, but so I asked him if um, like, do they have any shoes that are minimalist shoes? And he rolled his eyes and basically said, I, I can't wait for that trend to be over. Hmm. Yeah. And I said, you know, what do you mean? And he said, well, they're, like ru- they're just ruining people. And they're such a gimmick. And um, 
and he, he went into a, a big thing about support and pronation and supination and um, stability, all these things, all this, the, the normal things we've heard. So, um, and I tried to have a, a conversation about them, but we just sort of agreed, uh, agreed to disagree. Yeah, then I had to hear it for like an hour and a half. You know? he, he, he agreed to let it go with one person only to pass it on to you. He's like, all right, here's what I wanted to say. He, he totally unloaded on me. Um, <laughs> but Yeah, because I recognize that he, I mean, he, I mean he's not alone. And this is, these are things that are taught, just like people have been taught about, and I'm like a nutrition guy, so just how think, people have been taught all these things about nutrition that I know are wrong, and you really can't have a conversation about um, about the benefits of egg yolk when they know for when everyone knows that egg yolks are are deadly. Killed by an egg yolk. I know, and for those of you who are new, egg yolks are not deadly. They're the, the healthiest part of the egg. <laughs> Wait, what? What are you talking about? I know, I know, it's blasphemy. Even the government and Dr. Oz now admit that egg yolks are the healthiest part of the egg. Well, they are the you know the info keepers of the world. That's right. So, so Katie, what do you say to someone like that? What do I how say? Do we, how <laughs> do we permeate this culture of beliefs about shoes, that shoes should be a certain way to support the foot, that the foot needs this outside scaffolding? Well, um, this is what, I mean, that's like the question I think of my life. What I've done and I, I think what I do is I write books about it, right? Like I write books about it. I write blog posts about it. I model it in my regular life. I put it on Facebook and Twitter. Like that's what I do. I just try to put forth education. Um, I think though that it's – you're talking about a paradigm. Like how do we switch a paradigm? Mm -hmm. And – that probably what what I, I guess what what I've always found that works is to try to see where any argument that you're trying to counter argument not like ah oh, he said she said like argument like um, if you're trying to put forth an explanation and you're you're meeting resistance or what you feel is the opposite um, take on a certain situation is try to see where the other situation is completely valid or truthful I guess if you will because almost the answer to almost everything as I like to say is it depends so is there a reason that shoes are seen as scaffolding and, and support and protection and necessary and I would say that most people listening even if, if you are minim minimal shoe friendly you know minimal shoe aware of you know the quote fad that if you if you understand that it's not just about why one pair of shoes are better than another pair of shoes because shoes are just inert objects really that you go okay so if a body rarely gets any use and a foot has never been used then you know is a shoe a good option if you're walking through a particular environment is it a good option and if you can meet someone usually with um, an understanding of why their perspective is completely valid then it helps you to to start explaining okay well here's a different perspective and instead of going oh I, you know 
you're not right. It's like, well, everyone is right, I guess, just depending on their perspective. So that's how I, that's how I do it. That's how I tend to kind of do everything. Um, so maybe, okay, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you. You. <laughs> no, you. No, you, Roland. Um, no. <laughs> you know, I, I, I see what you're going. I mean, if you kind of find common ground, kind of all, it, and it, that's, that's sort of the way to, to sort of build that bridge. Here's a one can, thing you can connect on, and um, it sort of opens the conversation up to. Well, but this is where I go as well is, but this foot is not the foot it would have been had it not worn those exact shoes for a majority of your life. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, when, in terms of talking, like, I don't even think that the gentleman, Tim, let's call him Tim, is that his actual name? Maybe you should just give no. us his full name. Give us his full name and his email. Well, if we tell you his name is Tim, then that kind of narrows the field down. So we can't say that it's Tim or not, that it's okay. not Tim. That's right. That's right. Um, well, I mean, I even there I don't even know. There are those who call me Tim. <laughs> um, so, I, I would. Going to see that movie. What movie is that? Oh my God! I know. You're dead to me. <laughs> the Holy Grail. You know what? This is the second time there has been a Holy Grail reference to me that I have not got. I mean, in in the same like in the last eight hours, I have. There was a second one, and I can't even recall it. So you haven't seen the Holy Grail. I have, I have. I just did you not. May, you may be getting the, a secret, no, secret delivery in the mail. Tell me a quote to redeem yourself. <laughs> well, my favorite one ah. is the whole burning season, like the whole burn, like if a witch, you know, the floating witch burner oh, okay. section. That's right. my whole favorite. Yeah, so we've had that conversation. So. We have, we have. You're okay. You're okay. Um, but like I, like I. There's, you know, like Galena, you could go to the, you know, foot health and mobility type thing. But, you know, if someone's a fashion designer, it took me a long time, I think, to realize that health itself is a culture. I just assumed that everyone was really interested in health, and, and but I realized that they're not, and and that's fine. So, like, to even start to make a healthy argument about shoes is like, yeah, but who cares? Like the way that I look in a pair of shoes is also a certain level of biology, perhaps. Like, right, if you're trying to be attractive or, or look a certain way um, or you want to feel a certain way and exterior um, decoration assists in that. Like, there's all these valid reasons for yeah. shoes, but in the end, it's just, I for me, it's just about function and, and biology and so... So something that I learned from you in the very beginning when I became your student was, you know, to really find the people who care about the message. Yeah, yeah. Versus, you know, yelling from the treetops. And uh, I think it, it's saving me a heart attack in my future um, yeah. doing that. But at the same time, I cannot not see that those who most desperately need the help are the ones that don't care. <sighs> That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> Right, uh, yeah. and then and then how do we get the message to those people? Uh, maybe they don't want the message. Like I just, I mean, I've been doing this for a really long time, and I have just uh, my perspective has just become there are so many people who do want the message that uh, why would I even try to spend my time on people who don't because there are so many people who do. Sure. So in in whole body barefoot, you 
you look through the whole transition, like how to transition and what that means. So you address the minimal shoes are hurting people camp with a whole book. Yeah. Um, how do you address the minimal shoes are hurting people camp kind of in an elevator speech, like a slightly, kind of like a paragraph, like what do we tell them? Well, it's kind of like what you were saying. Like I, I think the whole reason I wrote Whole Body Barefoot was because I don't think the minimal shoe barefoot um, movement is as black as white as it seems. So it's like, oh, wearing shoes is unnatural, so stop, you know, and then everyone takes off their shoes and then it's like okay well there's two scenarios there's two there's two variables here one is your the what you were about to step on is probably not natural so if you're taking off your shoes to experience natural movement and use of the foot you can only get that if you were in nature so you are walking on just some something that's as artificial as what was on your shoe so so there, that has to be considered. And then the other part of it as, is what you were talking about before, which is your foot structure um, is not the natural version of your foot. You, you have you know, entire pieces of it that could be missing due to how, what you have done with your foot right up until you decided to take your shoes off and walk around barefoot. So, so that we have to try to get your foot to behave more like the foot model that you are basing your decision to go shoe free on and then you have to consider the impact um, both literal and metaphorical of terrain and make sure that you are um, doing your feet well I guess. Truth. Yeah. Sounds really good. Roland, who did you meet who was saying you know they, they really like Katie but she's a sissy because she wears shoes? Well, I met at the Ancestral Health Society Symposium, I met several people who were avid barefooters. And they, some of them were, were pretty reasonable, but there were some that were like, well, you know, you should never wear shoes. And they carry, they'll carry the little letters around with them that, you know, so when somebody says it's against the health department rules, they'll say, no, it's not. Look, here's my proof that it's not against the health department rules. And, but then there, and they just couldn't understand why. It's like they understood everything you were saying, and then they said, but she doesn't make sense at this point because she still says shoes are okay. And I kind of explained basically, did I sum that up right? Okay, so I kind of explained to them my own philosophy, which conveniently is very close to what you just said. We're not living in a natural environment. So, well, two things. We haven't, we've spent all this time of our lives in shoes to begin with, so our shoes are now not ready for a natural environment, even if we had a natural environment, a purely natural environment. And then the environment that most of us are in is not purely natural. So we have, you know, we have glass and nails and things like that, which is one thing. Um, but we also have concrete and asphalt and sprinkler heads and all these things. But even like, I think the, for most people who walk around barefoot, the I think the the glass the concrete I mean, like the concrete and the asphalt is the bigger thing because I don't I just don't think that we are supposed to be you know heel to heel to solid 
concrete like that. I just don't think that that's something that we're supposed to be uh, subjecting ourselves to. So I think... Well, I, I also think that, too, you know, bare, barefoot advocacy or barefoot activists or whatever you want to call, you know, that particular group of people tend to be focused on one small component where I am talking about whole body natural loads. So you could very well have people who are barefoot, barefooters or whatever, who still move to the extent of modern people, which is hardly at all. So for them, going barefoot all of the time is not that big of a deal because they still don't move that much, right? They're still kind of in the exercise paradigm of like, I'm going to go take my my run or my walk or, or whatever, you know, and for 60 or 90 minutes and the, and I still, but they're still pretty sedentary the rest of the time. They're not really using their feet. But what about the person who's listening to all that I teach outside of, you know, the barefoot thing who's now trying to log five or seven or 10 miles a day and, um, and who is thinking about a broad, like a, a, a broader natural movement beyond just what you put on your feet, you know, shoes or not, um, then those loads are different. So would someone who's comfortable being barefoot for their exercise bout and then walking around in their house the rest of the time be as comfortable being out barefoot, you know, in their urban environment all the time? So it's just, I think it's just bigger. Like I would absolutely, I don't even think I have to concede the point. I would agree 100% that optimal performance of of the health optimal health of your biology is requires that you or demands that you don't put a shoe on you know the bulk of the time that there that there is there is definitely a benefit to being barefoot 100% of the time in a natural environment you have to put all of the pieces of nature together you don't get to isolate one particular um, variable and then and then only pull that out. You know, that's a that's a mistake that ecologists have been making for a long period of time, trying to save one animal. Like, let's save the red fox, and, like, they don't let anyone do anything with the red fox, <laughs> and all of a sudden you have one red fox that's, you know, overpopulated, and then a bunch of other stuff starts dying, that you really have to approach these issues with a broad-minded um, idea of eco ecological balance. And so we want the foot to be well. We want the mobility of the foot and the joints and the muscles to be well, but also the nerves and the knees and the hips. Like if you're having to adjust your gait pattern to run on cement, like what's going to happen to those knees and the hips? That Those are unnatural compensation. So I, I just think it's, again, it's real a real broad picture and there's lots of um, biomechanics to to think about that go beyond do I put my shoes on or off in the morning? Well said. I think I think there's I have two th two things, and I'll try to be shorter than I normally am. And one is that, from my perspective, I like to give people whether it's with nutrition or shoes or exercise um, or movement something that they will do at the level that they will continue to do it. And so, if you can take somebody from a um, like a super built-up shoe to less of a shoe that's more flexible and gives them more wiggle room in their toes and has less uh, cushioning uh, over time, and that, that will allow them to actually do it and be happy and comfortable and not in pain, 
that's much better than saying the, the perfect thing is not to wear shoes. So I, I, that's sort of my philosophy just in on everything, I guess. And then the other thing would be that the environment is not only not the same because of concrete and buildings and, and things like that, but I believe our ancestors, however many millennia ago, moved away from the tropics where it was warm enough to not wear shoes to places where it got colder and colder and they were probably forced to wear something. Now, they probably weren't forced to wear big old cushy Uggs, but they... Um, something to keep, you know, rather wrapping their feet with something, and st you know, standing on something that was uh, allowing them to keep uh, out of the mud or keep from getting frostbite, stuff like that. So unless we're willing to go back to where our ancestors came from, you know, it's not, it doesn't really make much sense to say we need to be exactly like our ancestors. Yeah, like how do you tell someone in Nova Scotia right now where they got... 400 feet of snow yesterday, or that's an exaggeration, but like how do you tell people who live in the snow? It's like you're only going to be healthy if you're barefoot. It's like, okay, well, there's, I mean, it's just, it's the difference between a theoretical argument and, you know, actually doing something in the real world. And yeah, it's absolutely great to be barefoot 100% of the time, but it's also beneficial to, to reduce the structure of your shoe and go barefoot some of the time like those that does not you do not negate the benefit of of any sort of transition simply because you didn't do the ultimate you know yep so looking at our environment um, how do surfaces matter how how this is something that you know as, as much as I've done reading and, and you're not the only person talking about the importance of training without built-up shoes and being barefoot and mobilizing the foot. There's several people out there talking about it. You are the only person who talks about environment. And this is a big difference in having you as a teacher than any anyone else is that you look at the human as a complex system in relationship to the body in relationship to itself, but also the body in relationship to the environment. And so you're the only person who brings surfaces in. And people, people, my students hear that and they just their mind just blows. And I'm like, hey, it's not my stuff. It's Katie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my it's fault. It's not my fault. fault. Uh, well, texture. I mean, uh, it's interesting, but yes, for some reason, um, no one has really. I mean, I mean, I'm sure people have. I'm sure there are many people who have thought about it and and written it down somewhere. Just maybe I might be the first person to have published it, you know, um, or, or talked about it in more professional or academic circles, but yes, I mean, you, your, your biomechanical diagrams of your body parts, like, it does, like, they have to interact with something, and, and when you interact, you have to add those forces to the diagram, and so you've got, you know, 33 joints in your foot, but if those 33 joints step on the flat surface of your kitchen floor or the or the cement walk to your office that you're so excited that you do three miles every single day which is great there isn't as much movement in those 33 joints as there would be had you been walking on something that was not what I just call flat level I, I kind of oversimplify it to just call it we're overdosing on vitamin flat and level but there is this um, one there would be the the terrain, so not even thinking about texture, but just terrain could vary in terms of 
of slope, you know, how much uphill or downhill do you do? How much do you go uphill, you know, with the front of your foot relative to the back of your foot, but maybe your foot tilted on a, a slope that positions the inside of your foot higher than the, than the outer edge of your foot. Like there's so many different angles or planes you could be walking on, but then what about what is sitting on top of that flat and level plane? You know, does it give? Does it yield a little bit? Is there is there teeny tiny texture like sand? Like if you throw a, a cup of sand over your um, kitchen floor. I'm looking at my kitchen floor right now, so I'm going, okay, like I could do an experiment and I could take a cup of sand and really I could take five different sands from five different beaches and each of those would have a unique texture and then I could take wood chips from the forest that I just walked in today, you know, all of the pine needles that had fallen to the floor and, and then I could have gotten um, a couple rocks or a log, you know, and put that and I could have walked over each one of those and each one of those textures would have pressed into my foot in a way that causes a very specific response to my body and we are starving of our, our, our intake of vitamin texture, keeping in mind that vitamin texture isn't one thing but many, many things, is almost zero. So this beautiful diagram of the biomechanics of the foot that you've got laid out that's just floating on a page in a textbook or on a blog on a website is is 1% of of 100% of, of what the physiology looks like. And so it's just, it's just a much broader, it's just a, you know, I'm just trying to get people's minds to go like, you got to think outside the tank a little bit, the tank being the metaphor for, you know, our whole way of analyzing or looking at the body is just on a piece of paper. Like it's not even, it's in a laboratory. It's in an exercise studio. It's not in any real world scenarios. And luckily that perspective is starting to change with a lot of, you know, outdoor and movement programs. But we we'll, you can only really get a new idea when someone else introduces it to you, you know, and then you're like, oh, I never thought about that. And then all of a sudden you're thinking about my outdoor education program that always used the same set of monkey bars, you know, at the, at the park. And I never thought that while I run barefoot, it's always on, you know, the asphalt six-mile loop around my house and, and that there are there are more loads to experience. There are it's a, a broader a broader idea of cross training, I guess. And so texture, I think, texture for the hands and the feet are going to be this new um, kinetic chain. It's got to be added to the kinetic chain. So everyone talks about change. You know, if you're in physiology or any sort of structural um, study or doing any sort of work on study of the structure, yet all the motions that push off from the foot are all, that whole understanding is just based on, you know, an artificial environment. And so texture changes everything, I guess, is my, is my one, one second, yeah, one second response. That's great. And, and our solutions, our solutions to our challenges with movement are also based on our understanding of what is necessary and normal. Yeah. So there is in your new book, um, there's, um, a page on, uh, toe walking and kids who toe walk and a study where they had them walking on pebbles and how that changed the outcome. Can you talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah, and you know, I threw that into the book at the at the very last minute because I happened upon this bit of research that just came out and I 
it was huge for me, you know, it, especially, you know, my, my larger idea is nutritious movement. So I'm always very interested in trying to find what are the vitamins, you know, the, the movement equivalents to vitamins, so to speak. Um, but toe walking, I get a lot of questions on idiopathic toe walking. It's just like when kids kind of float to the front of their foot and their heels are on the floor. And I, you know, it's kind of like walking around with pretend high heels on, you know, and, mm. and a lot of parents are like, I don't know why they're toe walking. And, and no one does. That's why they, with, with a, a certain type of toe walking, and if there's no other structural issue, they call it idiopathic toe walking because no one knows why it happens. But of course, all the research on toe walking is in a gate lab, you know, mm -hmm. or in a hospital, you know, the, your pediatrician is looking at you walking around, you know, the doctor's office. And so, like, that's been the extent of studying toe walking. So I just like to put stuff out out there that's like this, which is when people say what they know or what they don't know, you have to consider the breadth under which they've tried to study it. And in most cases, they've looked at it in a laboratory, you know, under fluorescent lighting, and, and it's like, well, we can't figure it out. It's like, well, you haven't even really tried to tried to figure it out yet if you can't even leave your office to to study motion you know especially like lots of things are like this but motion is one of them that's big but this researcher had uh, children who had this diagnosis of idiopathic toe walking walk on the floor of the laboratory <clears throat> as well as carpet as well as um, a pebble texture and they found that the degree to which they were toe walking changed instantly based on the surface that they were walking on and so of and I write about this in the book a little bit with this you know it's like oh my gosh this is a whole new therapy that we didn't even realize like we could just you know have people start walking on stones you know and, and maybe it will correct it where I looked at it a little bit differently going You've just seen someone's gait change based on um, a certain innervation of the foot. So what those researchers didn't do was read, or at least you know reference other research showing that um, this is some of my favorite research is people taking shoes and putting textured insoles in their shoes. They were textured insoles created just for this study where they could take people who had, you know, like four or five different plastic cutouts in their shoe that had different different textures printed or, or, I don't know, molded, you know. So maybe it was like little bumps or maybe there was like little slivers or different size bumps. And they had EMG on their calf muscles. And simply by changing the texture, you changed how the muscles innervated because as much as we think of walking as like plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, like the whole foot is pointing or the whole foot is flexing, you know, we, we have this kind of like chunked out vision of our body parts. You've got those 33 joints, right? And if you've got a tiny little bump in your shoe, like if you had a pebble in your shoe, you can feel it, right? Like you can't just continue walking it's it's irritating you are sensing it and that sensory input is affecting your gait and so this was kind of an example of like when you put a whole bunch of texture you know it a plastic texture is way better than a, a rock trapped inside you know your shoe your muscles respond differently so the question that I bring out in in whole body barefoot is 
is a texture input part of the natural gait cycle where there are some people, you know, genetically, require some sort of stimulation to cue their gait cycle. And maybe people are more or less sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, and so you see a variation in who toe walks in the absence of stimulation. As I mean, there's plenty of people. I mean, we all walk on flattened levels. So if not everyone has... Um, if not every, if not everyone is toe walking, then it may, maybe can be that we have different sensitivities to this nutrient, and then there are people who, whose feet just aren't super super sensitive or are super super sensitive that without this, their feet are kind of at a loss for how to you know get down to the ground. And so I just, to me, it's a it's a broader. It wasn't just here's a here's a here's a correction, here's a, here's a treatment. It was like, you've stumbled on some, something that says, are toe walkers walking because there's no stimulation that signals, you know, some other more reflexive motion to, to walk not on their toes, you know? So that is how I feel about texture. Well, so I'm a toe walker and, you know, I don't know, I don't know how it started, you know, I was always a toe walker, but now that, it's not as now that I don't walk on my toes as much, I know the things that trigger me to go back up on my toes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, what are they? Well, if like, uh, it's a part of it is that when you're when you're walking heel toe, it's much louder. So there's a shock. So, like, I'm aware of people below me in the apartment below. I'm aware that if Colleen is asleep, that I'm going to be making more noise. Um, if I'm on solid, like, if I'm on tile, it's a bigger shock to my... Just the vibration. The vibration, you know. If I'm on a wood floor um, and I'm in socks, it feels... Or even if I'm not in socks, it's like I feel like I'm going to slip. The most noticeable for me is, let's say it's a rainy day and I have to take out the trash. So like it's wet out there and I'm walking across concrete. I will find myself, without realizing it, walking the whole way, way up on my toes because I'm much more stable and less likely to slip um, up on my toes than if I would walk heel-toe. That's so interesting. Well, for me, though, I hear that what, – what I hear is that you're – maybe overstimulated like it's easy for your body to become overstimulated by the vibration so yeah, I'm there, really was a, there was a study that was looking into that did you see that no with, I did not. with kids with kids and sensory processing disorders mm-hmm. uh, and kind of kids on the spectrum they were more likely to toe walk because they were they were very the vibration uh-huh. was adding too much stimulation yeah and you know what that's really interesting where you start seeing things like nature education and outdoor education you're like look how calm look how calm nature makes you and it's like yes there's that but there's also like you've reduced the hardness of the world you've reduced the impact you know that someone has to be um experiencing while walking so if you just take a a five mile walk through the woods that's way less hyper stimulation than if you um you take a walk on concrete, you know, so that, I think so I just, I'm just, this is just my, um, my raw reaction to what you say is like, I find that very, that very interesting that, um, and maybe helpful for someone listening to it. Like maybe mm-hmm. kids don't want to walk. Maybe it's like, maybe your child doesn't want to go out 
here you are, you know, reading everything and going, I want to start walking more and walking with my kids, but my kids don't like walking. It's like maybe maybe there's stimulation there and they would prefer to walk on natural terrain. And it's also, though, it's also a nod for maybe shoes for that person has been helping them dampen. Like if you're forced to live in a concrete jungle, shoes could be um, allowing you to desensitize yourself a little bit to the hyper concrete. You know, of course the solution is go barefoot all the time in the forest. But if you're not willing to go to the forest, should you go barefoot all the time? I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Something that I started noticing a long time ago uh, doing nutrition coaching is that my clients who had eating disorders would could not go barefoot. Hmm. They needed to have shoes in the house. And they could not remember any point in their life in which they were comfortable barefoot at home. Wow. So there's, it's so much larger, and I am yeah. excited to see more yeah. research and even just more anecdotal evidence like this. You know, there's our community is getting bigger and bigger. So. Well, you know, shoes used to be a comfort for me, right? I would have my mm -hmm. shoes were felt relatively tight. I didn't usually like to take them off. I would, you know, wear put on my shoes in the morning and not take them off until, like, my mom used to come in when I was little and, and get your shoes off the bed. You know, when it was like 10 o'clock <laughs> at night. And so even now, it's much more comfortable. Like, I'm very comfortable around the house in bare feet or socks, but I just like, like, outside, I walk so much better with any sort of shoe. But think about you have 100,000 nerves in your hands mm -hmm. and 200,000 in your feet. Just how much input is into the brain. And you know how sensitive my feet are. So it's, you know... Yeah. You are the princess-footed sir from yeah. Katie's blog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks for that. Prince, I, you're not a princess. You don't, like, you're just princess-footed. That's right. It's, yeah. it's, hyphen it's hyphenated. It's just yeah. princess footed. It's a descriptive. It's not, it's not your and name. And it's not princess sized feet either. I didn't call you hey princess foot. Thank you for that. Because I'm so, kind. Yeah. So we, we often talk about what's, what's seen like, hey, you're going to be more stable or more balanced or, you know, you're going to have all these joints will be working properly and your foot will have its natural arch. But what about the unseen systems? People can't see things out of this musculoskeletal isolation. What happens to the circulatory, the lymphatic, all these other systems once, once we can transition to a, a more minimal shoe or more barefoot activities and natural movement? Well, I think that I think that they can't see outside of musculoskeletal because that's you know if you study the body, you're usually studying it for movement purposes, right? So everything just goes through the musculoskeletal system for performance and usually fitness variables. But you don't have, I mean, nerve conduction, lymphatics, circulation; those things all happen organically packaged with movement. So if you have areas of your body that don't move, then you have areas of your body that don't do all the other stuff that movement brings about. So it's, you know, it's it's just about, it, it's all of your processes, you know, how you feed areas of your body. I think someone, someone sent me a note going, okay, I, I just... You know, I just posted a video that my that my toes don't move, and then someone just asked, like, why would you want them to? Like, what's the why? Why? Why do you want your toes to move? And it's like, well, why do you want your fingers to move? You you usually want your fingers to move um, 
because you want to accomplish an at a task with them. So with our toes, we might not really think of, like there's nothing really to do with your toes any longer, right? You don't have to... Um, you don't have to hold on to the tree with your feet. You're not climbing. You're not climbing over. You know, and I say all that, but we just took a hike today. We are, we're hiking for five hours, and um, you know, if there wasn't a, a nice trail there, we went off trailing um, a few times. And my husband, you know, is he's, he's actually seeking situations that put him more at risk, so he has to use more of his body. But he's he's gripping as he's crossing this huge log that falls over a ravine. It's the only way to get to the other side without walking, you know, four extra miles out of the way. He's crossing it and he's using his feet. His toes are participating. But we live in a world now where you don't have to use your feet for anything and that's fine. So there's no real musculoskeletal reason to use your feet to accomplish a task. However, because these other processes of circulation, whether you're talking about electrical or lymphatic or blood, they don't happen when the movement doesn't happen. So because our life doesn't require we use the muscles in our feet functionally, then you don't use them. And then what goes by the wayside are, is the health of all of those other mm. tissues or processes. So there is no real reason to use your feet. Now, I will go ahead though and say if your knee stabilization and your hip stabilization is affected by the strength in your feet, then maybe you don't need your, to use your toes to scramble or, or climb onto anything. But if a decrease in the mobility of your foot, it, it leads to an inefficiency in the knee and the hip. Now when you go talk to someone who's interested in their performance of, you know, running or walking or hiking or they're noticing problems in their knees and their hips, it's like you might want to look at how strong your feet are because your feet, your knees and your hips are are passing through your foot with every single step. And the shoe is just kind of like a stiff casing around the outside of this, you know, hunk of meat that should be doing something to maintain its shape and and that and that there are relationships between the contraction in the foot and the contraction in the thigh and, and a kind of an analogy that just popped into my head is you know the a relationship between the TVA the transverse abdominis and the pelvic floor and then like as soon as they go well your pelvic floor and, and your transversalis they work together so we have to start training them together even though functionally you know it's not like you're going to be um, ever stretched out you know reaching from one treetop to the other treetop where you need your core muscles to to fire you could fake that scenario but you don't like you just basically have to get from your couch to your chair to your desk like there's no reason to use these muscles um, but they're the their performance is related to each other. You get these co-innervations, these co-contraction. It's like how how much of the muscles that work to stabilize the knee and the hip are supposed to be co-contracting with the foot that's doing nothing, and so therefore, you know, you got half of your knee and your hip muscles also not doing anything. So it's just again, it's just thinking outside of the very one-dimensional anatomy textbook that you're reading, and then these pieces kind of start falling into place. Well, you, the same thing, I mean, at the very lowest level, they, 
you can make a lot of those same arguments again, or like, why would I want to do that? About like, why would you want to stretch this muscle? Like, because you don't need to do this, or like, why? Like, why do you want to be able to move that muscle when you look at it? Like, why do you want to, you know, bob your kneecaps? It's not that you specifically want to bob your kneecaps, but you want to have the, you want to have lost the inhibition that's keeping the kneecap from being able to bob. Or in the in the feet, we don't know. We've been in shoes, or we have this. Um, we don't see the relationship between the feet and the ground and then the kinetic chain going up. And if your toe are not, is not nimble enough or strong enough or able to apply individual, if your toes aren't able to apply individual pressure, then effectively you don't know that you didn't sprain your ankle because your toes weren't strong enough or mobile enough. Just like we don't know, like maybe people sprain their ankle because their ankle isn't mobile enough, but no one's saying, you know, there's all these different things that are sort of tied together that they just don't see the connection. Yeah, and I but I think it's even bigger than that. Like, have you ever watched the movie Wall-E? Right, and everyone is just like, mm -hmm. right. So everyone, everyone's everyone's horrified at this movie. They're going like, look at these people. They're just floating around in these chairs watching TV, and, and everyone is horrified across the board. You're just horrified. You're like, uh, well, you know, like what a horrible existence. And it's like. But the person who asks, who cares, like, why do I need to move my foot? It's like, it's a continuum, and, and the Wally was one extreme, and you would be, you're horrified at the idea of not moving your body because you don't need to, the whole body, but you just don't see that you're, you've already conceded um, that to your feet or your big toe or, or to your toes or whatever. It's like, you should be just as horrified by your toes not moving as a person, a whole body person not moving because, you know, what a part does, so is the whole entire, the whole entire being that you're, you're accepting a, a lesser version, but that's how the big version was made as, as a bunch of people just being like, well, who care? Like, what do I care if, you know, my foot doesn't articulate all the way I've gotten my knees and my hips. It's like, yeah, but you just got one, you're just, you're just, you're just putting one foot into the bucket that is, eventually the Wally situation. How do you think they got there? They got there one body part at a time. First it was, what do you need your feet for, you know? And then it's like, let us stabilize. I, I actually read on a podiatrist's website that children should be placed in a heeled shoe to keep from falling backwards. That is sure. verbatim. Oh my god. I and think so the, floors, the floors of all houses should be slanted. So the <laughs> children should only face that direct one direction. <laughs> it's like, it was just like, what? Are you, are you kidding? Like, make sure your child is this. I mean, and who knows? I mean, like, it was on their website. Whether or not they wrote it or was aware that it was there, it was there. And someone sent it to me. They're like, is it what? And I was like, I know. But that, it's just this slow, your mind slowly becoming okay with a part of you not functioning. And we're just so able to, you know, we're like, you're larger than, you're more than your feet, of course. But because your feet are a part of you, that was one part of you that is just sitting, floating around in a chair you know, watching TV. And then you got your core muscles. Like, well, like, what do I need this muscle for? Like, then you start labeling them, you know, vestigial. You know, it's like, that's just vestigial. Like, and so I, I laugh at that idea of, like, uh, um, of vestigial parts 
you know. It's like, yeah, we, we take that muscle out because, like, like the plantaris. Like, we don't yeah. know what it does, so it must not do anything. So let's just yeah. pull it out. And yes. So you're, you're saying that I should be able to wiggle my tail? <laughs> yeah, well, I've actually seen, I mean, you can see a YouTube video of him, of, um, he's a, I think he's a, uh, a Qigong master who can articulate his tailbone. You've got muscles there. And uh, I have video. Okay, so that man, that guy has done it. You know, I have a new goal. I have a new goal. <laughs> no, see, no, you're, that, that, is not a, that was not a good thing for me to say. You are not, there's other things for you to work on. But he, he was doing it for self-mastery. Like the, there's a different, like it's a self-mastery. But I have video of my children pooping because... That's just the kind of Diane Fossey mother I am where, you know, we're outside in nature and I'm just, you can't get this kind of data anyplace else. So, you know, you could never get a, a trial approved to videotape a bunch <laughs> of little of, kids speaking pooping. Speaking of trials, maybe we should right. stop talking about this. <laughs> well, if it's, is, it hard, is it a trial for you to poop? Is that, that's a different podcast. Oh, no, 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 no. no. I meant like legal trial. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's. I have like little little videos, and I don't post them anywhere. They're for me, but of their coccyx articulating while they're pooping. Oh, cool. So I have evidence that there is a that there is a ongoing function in children. You know who? I mean, these kids like have always squat. You know, been squatting, and they don't have furniture, so. They are still modern children, but they have different habits, and their tailbone is articulating, just wagging away on film. They're not trying to do it. It's reflexively part of eliminating their bowels. So, very, very, very cool. So I just am always very, very hesitant. And I've read about that you know, muscle as being, again, I've, I, I've been trying to find the textbook in which I read it one time. I think it was when I was in graduate school and I was just reading a bunch of textbooks and so I don't have it anymore. And it was just um, that muscle is a, a vestigial muscle and no longer necessary. So, like, there's just a lot of, like, what is necessary? The legs of the people in the Wally movie aren't necessary. Like, who... You you don't think you're moving your toes is necessary. Someone else might not think walking is necessary. So for me, I just have to be really I like pick my team and I stick to it. And it's like my team is these are all parts that are capable of moving. So I just like to ensure that they're moving. And I and I don't I don't pick a line. Like you, I mean, everyone's like we got to draw a line. It's like well, my line is going to be smaller than my toes, or my toes are on the same side of my line as my legs. It's like, hey, I want to, I want to participate in life yeah. with yeah. all of myself. Yes, yeah. yeah. I can't lift my left eyebrow. Oh no, I can lift my left. I can't lift my right eyebrow. So I've kind of gone. Well, I'm not going to focus on that, but I'm going to make sure that my, that my toes are going to move. And if I had more time, I'd put my right eyebrow, you know, back on the same side of the line. So you just have to. Think, I can um, only do my left as well. I can't do my right. Is that so? And I'm doing it in my eyebrow when I say that. Is that so? <laughs> Can you, can you hear it? It'll make a good meme for you, Katie. Katie, <laughs> going, is that so, with one eyebrow. Is that so? So, so just to kind of nicely round that up, um, you have little kids. They've been moving naturally. People write us all the time with, what do we do with kids in shoes? Like, what kind of special shoes do we get them? And apparently it's not the heeled shoes that that podiatrist suggests. So... <laughs> What do you do with kids? So it's like as parents, we're always afraid of like messing our kids up real bad. Sure. Um, so how do we mess them up the least in the shoe department? <laughs> well, I mean, and, and like a, like 
I've been doing some like I always like to say, you know, like my my kids, my kids don't only move naturally. Like, we live in a house. We have cars. Like all I've been able to do is do like the little bits that I talk about, which is okay. I can put them in. I can put them. I didn't put I didn't put my children into shoes for a long time. Like I didn't put them into shoes before it was necessary. And I've had friends, you know, who've come over with un- children that don't walk that had shoes on just because you just do it, you know, and. And they're cute. They're like and the they're so they're, they're so cute, cute and tiny. They're teeny tiny. They're amazing. Um, so like I mean it's a so I did I delayed putting them into shoes for a long period of time, um, and then when I felt that they needed some sort of you know quote protection or warmth, I just put them in socks. So they were just in socks, but still hiking and moving around. But um, and then, as most people know who've like read my blog, when I noticed that. They're in pajamas, like cute little footy pajamas. And it was like my kid, who could already stand and walk, all of a sudden, as soon as they put the cute little footy pajamas on because the temperature changed, now all of a sudden the gait pattern that he had established didn't work anymore because he was slipping on the floor. So I was like, well, that I don't want him to develop a gait pattern that is based on him needing to not slip on my artificial floor. So I cut all, you know, I had gotten rid of his skin. I got rid of his skin from the kinetic chain. I had basically made it the same as walking on ice, you know, which if you've ever walked mm-hmm. on a slippery surface, you know that is not, like, that's a different, very tense gait pattern. It's like, why do I want my baby to learn how to walk all stiff and tense? So I cut all the feet off of his cute little footy pajamas and then <laughs> threw them away. <clears throat> or you could, like, if you repurpose, you can make little finger sock puppets or something. And then, <laughs> and then minimal shoes, just minimal shoes, flexible, yeah. um, flexible and, and, and wide and didn't um, didn't impinge on the movement of the foot. Like sometimes kids' shoes will be really high. Like some they'll be like, look at these shoes, they're flat and they're flexible, but they go up over the ankle. It's like, okay, well now they can't articulate their ankle, which is not a big deal if you walk on flat and level. But you know, I was taking my kids up and down hills early because that's a whole different muscle set than always walking on flat, and they needed to be able to control themselves going downhill and hike uphill. And you know, a shoe that covers ankle doesn't allow for that kind of motion so it's all the same it's all the same stuff that I recommend for adults it's just um, you know my kids because they always they have gone barefoot so much are much more comfortable going barefoot they don't seem to they don't have the foot sensitivity like I have foot sensitivity um, and it takes a long time for me to get over it although I remember when I was younger I think I spent like a whole summer never wearing shoes and I was just marveling. I was walking across the gravel of my grandmother's house and going, this doesn't even hurt anymore. And I, I could actually remember, you know, the before and the after of that summer of of, of noticing. But, you know, I, I'm not one of those card-carrying, I guess I can come into your establishment with bare feet. Um, and a letter. And a letter. <laughs> and a letter. Oh, we did get kicked out. My family got kicked out. We, we were um, denied service to a place on get this Santa Monica Pier. I was like, so you're in what? Like you're we're in California. We're on the beach. We can't come in cuz because somebody, not even me or my kids, my husband didn't have shoes on. He was barefooted. I had all of us had like really like those uh unshoe mm-hmm. super minimals and stuff and she said we couldn't come in. So and you she said um that's I don't know how she said it. It, it was the it was the it was the um health code 
It, it is not. It is not. We will give you a copy of that I, letter. I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't. And and she so, was like, yeah, I, I almost, it just came to blows. Like I, I didn't. In really their defense, I think they really think it's the health code. I think she. Most I think she really do. did. I or just that it's their insurance wants them because yeah. you know you got yeah. step on glass or something. You know, it's really weird because we went. We recently went to Laguna and spent a few days there, and we decided to go down. And the the hotel is right. We stayed is right on the beach, so you can walk right down through their um, bar down onto the beach, and you get like a little chase lounge right there and sit on the sand and have a drink or whatever. So we decided we're going to walk down there, and that's the only way to get down to the beach from, is through their area. And they stopped us, and they said, oh, you need to have shoes on. I'm like, really? It's like a beach hotel, and you'd like to think. But they're like, no. Then they said, well, no, you know, there's broken glass right here. Like, once you're down to the beach, it's fine, but we just want you to have shoes on. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, if she had told me that it was their establishment's policy that no one could come in, that was fine. But the, the fact that it's held, and then she goes, you know, no shoes, no shirt, no service. I was like, yeah, that's not a law. That's just a sign. <laughs> that's a, that's a slogan. <laughs> that's like, yeah, slogan. Like she actually said that. It was very like I think that's what it was irritating. I was like, you are you are not quoting federal law right now. You are just quoting a bumper sticker. <laughs> now I just want to punch you. I know. Yeah. It's just so funny that these places by the beach where you think, what, what would they care? It's like yeah. you know they're like people. Hey, come on up, come yeah. on up. You people well, down the stand, come up and have a you drink. You guys were all moving to Greece on an island. Well, well that's why I, we were in Mexico and we we're just like. This is awesome. You just, we were just walking. We didn't even wear shoes for a whole week in Mexico, and 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 it was precarious. I mean, it's there's detritus. I mean, it's you just you with the nice thing about natural movement. Certainly, going um, unshod the bulk of the time, and, and and where we were in Mexico was beach or dirt floor. I mean, there was very little, very little cement, and we could choose to always take the beach and the dirt route. So that was nice. But you become hyper you become hyper aware and you like we are actually walking in the forest and my son found you know the horror story of every barefoot person every person who doesn't like barefoot is you know what about hypodermic needles and i was like hypodermic needles like how many hypodermic needles are laying all over the ground well my son Good found one. three of them in a pile he found three of them in a pile in the forest and i took a picture of him and he's like look and he found them but i i feel like he found them because of how much he is aware of where he's walking, you know, he's because he doesn't always walk on, you know, groomed ground. He's very conscious of where he places his foot because mm -hmm. you don't want to slip and fall. Like you just, you have all this skill set. You have, you've got this sensory Good job fans. equipment. Awesome. Yes, like you come with equipment. But you know that also being said, in Mexico where we were, for ten dollars you could play with a baby lion. <laughs> Did you? So, I didn't know because I figured there's going to be a line in which, <laughs> in which the lion's not a baby, and, and I didn't want to be the person to go like, oh, okay, that one we're moving that one out to adult. It's like, yeah, I was like, when it, I don't get it, yeah. So yeah, so oh, crazy. It's personal responsibility. You have to assume a lot of personal responsibility, and right. and um and I try to ruffle as few feathers as possible. Just don't quote me any slogans, you know, and I'll be okay. I won't get agitated. No, 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 no shirt, no <laughs> yeah. service. Oh my god! So, you know, you know, so, no shoes, no shirt, you're no gonna service. Pull that. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'll show you no shirt, no okay. shoes, no service. Oh my goodness! If you're throwing me out, you're really gonna throw me out. 
I saw you didn't say no pants. I was gonna say my kids. It's like, well, can I just send my two, my three year old, my three year old, and my two year old in to eat? Like they, they're minimally shod, and just take care. Just send them out when they're done. We'll sit out here with our. I'll give them ten bucks and just tell me. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So everybody, everybody asks me like, you know, like all of our students and clients. Katie is like, what does Katie say about this, (laughs) right? And so, and so every now and then they'll ask me. Usually we just make stuff up. (laughs) <laughs> they'll, they'll ask me, um, so so what kind of shoes was Katie wearing? Or um, and, and when you guys went, like, well, what was Katie wearing? Like, well, what does she wear? Like, what kind of shoes does she like? And they somehow <laughs> imagine, like, this, like, fairy closet full of minimal shoes. Uh, and I know you, so I I, <laughs> I know that you, you don't have 900 pairs of differently colored, bedazzled, vibrams. But uh, what are your top three favorite pairs of shoes that you own? I'm going to start dressing. I'm just going to start dressing like in, in like 80s retro disco garb and just be like, this is what Katie says to wear and like to see where people would go. It's like, really? Wow. Um, I have very few shoes and I, I believe, I think I might have posted a picture of it on our Facebook page of, of our entire shoe closet, but that would be a good post for me to go, these are all the pairs of shoes that I own. And so I can tell you right now, I don't even think I own more than six pairs of shoes, maybe, maybe seven. And I have I have unshoes um, and I have a pair of unshoes that I've that I wore, um, I've worn through. It's my second pair, and then I have a pair of fancy unshoes, which are like they have a ruffle on them. The lacy, the lacy ones. Yeah, those are. They're cool. not bedazzled. Bedazzled is something that I did to my sixth grade Vidal Sassoon bear sweater. It had a picture Ooh. of a bear exercising, <laughs> wearing a headband, and I bedazzled the headband. Don't talk about stuff you don't know, Roland. It's not bedazzled, but it is foo-foo. I've never, I've never worn the fancy ones because you know me, and you know that I almost, I don't think I own anything with a ruffle except they're for like, these shoes. They're like wedding shoes. They're like they so are special. And when I haven't. Re- when you renew your vows, those will be your shoes. <laughs> when I and I will, I think I was barefoot at my wedding because I got married on a beach, so I didn't even like I. Um, I have them. I just wish that someone would take me to someplace fancy enough to wear them. I live like I live like in the forest. Um, we'll, we'll make sure we take you out the next time you come to the, the, the civilized next, world. The next time your neighborhood forest ball occurs. When I want to dress like a fairy, I will wear my bedazzled sweatshirt and my 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 fairy unshoes. So I have those. Um, I have a pair of black um, Merrill Merrill boots. That I wear a lot um, when it's like wet and rainy, or even through snow, I just wore them, and they're not waterproof. But I don't really care. I just put socks on, and I'm okay feeling cold in the temperature. I just make sure that I can, you know, warm up my feet after a few hours, and that's good. Um, what other shoes do I have? I pair. I bought a pair of red, kind of like Tom's. Um, they're maybe like they're like a Tom's knockoff. They're like soup. They're just like a canvas. They're like a very. They're a very. Um, California canvas pair of slip-ons um, that I got at Ross for twelve dollars. Um, what other you're my, shoes? You're my hero. I have a pair of my most fancy pair of shoes are a completely flat piece of leather with um, like an anklet of turquoise suede, and I bought those before I had kids. Like I've had those for five years, and I bought them in Santa Fe. Like those are my most fancy pair of shoes, and I probably wear them three or four times a year, but I don't enjoy walking in them as much because even though they're flat, 
um, and pretty open, right? It's just like an ankle strap in between the toe strap. It's, they're not as flexible. Like I have come to the, become someone who can barely wear shoes. It's pretty, it's, it's, it's tough actually because I can't wear shoes at all that often anymore. So I save those of it. Like those are my fancy wedding shoes. Like if I'm actually going out to a wedding or, you know, heaven forbid going out to dinner when I'm on, you know, when I'm away from where I live now, cause there's, there's hardly any places to go around here. I will sport those turquoise suede shoes, but I'm not going to walk. I would never put them on to like walk a lot. And then I have a pair of pink Vibrams that I've had for four years. And I have a pair of slip on black, Vibrams, uh, the, you know the pink ones are high. They're, they're, I don't know what the models are called, but the one that covers the whole entire foot, those yeah. work well with warm socks where I live. And then I have what I call my Hawaii Vibrams that I've had for a couple of years, which are just you know super minimal. And those, that's all my shoes right there. I just named them. Very cool, love it. My clients will be just ecstatic to try to buy exactly what you have. And I wear them all with an off-the-shoulder gray sweatshirt that I've cut the top off, and dangly star earrings. I but just one. Just, just one, just one, and a side I, ponytail. Flashback <laughs> Thursday. Love it. You know, um, you know, you you had a pair of pants when we last um, oh did res week with you that you had just bought, and we're like, Katie, what are those black pants? They're awesome. Remember? And you're like, oh, I just got them at Athleta because I no longer care to just buy regular pants. So these are just workout pants that look like regular pants. They are. They, they have so, pockets. They're like workout clothes with pockets. And so Mina and I went into Athleta and bought a pair. <laughs> and we're standing there with like, we, we have our Katie pants. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And now every time I put them on, I'm like, oh, Katie looks better in hers and she's taller. <laughs> I don't have any clothes that you have. And I, and I, I just need to get you a bracelet that says WWKW. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could wear it all the time. And when you were shopping, you'd be like, what would Katie wear? <laughs> and it's probably something way less ruffled than whatever you're about to put on, Roland. Yeah. We'll be bracelet buddies. <laughs> bracelet buddies. Okay. Well, final question, and we put an end to this 30-minute podcast that's longer than 30 minutes. That's all right. Uh, name the three coolest things you've touched with your feet. Ooh, gosh. The three coolest things that I've touched – with or like my surfaces, or like coolest surfaces. Um, okay, well, I so I just did a hike today, so it's March, it's cold, but we hiked a mile, it was a three-mile trek, and I, I wore shoes for part of it, but not all of it, so I took all my shoes off for um, about a mile of it, and the like hiking down through this particular trail, it's, it's like um, rotting wood, right? It's like all the... The, it's very dense forest here, so all of the pine needles and the leaves, it's like a mulch, but it's, you know, centuries old, longer than that, and so you step on it, and the whole thing that gives, it's like walking on oh. on moisture-saturated cork, like it just, it has this super um, soft Stop give it. to it. Yeah, and you're walking on stones, and you're walking on roots, but because they get, because the surface underneath them gives, it's not like walking the same. I have like surface jealousy right yes. now. Yes. Oh my gosh. Say it's that so... again, but more slowly. <laughs> it's so good. And then mud. I just like like mud squishing between your toes, which I also got. Though it's, you know, it's, it's, we've just had a lot of rain, and so I like mud squishing through your toes and getting under your fingernails and I like the I like it when it dries and there's 
there's that grit there. So so that, um, and then, <laughs> um, did you say interesting or best? No, wh whatever <laughs> floats. Your well, boat. I think I just I <laughs> stepped on there? some food. I stepped on some food <laughs> that my kids had left on the floor, and it's like you know, like there's like two things that cause a particular <laughs> slide, and one of them is food, and the other one is like dog crap, and like they both <laughs> they both slide in the same way, and you're just like if you're wearing shoes and you're outside, you're probably stepping in dog crap or rotten fruit. Rotten fruit is the other thing. It just know, yeah, yeah. Part, the top part gives so much relative to the bottom part that you just like glide like you're ice skating. You're like, like a peach tree is the worst. Yes, you're like an ice skater for like one <laughs> beautiful second and then you're like, oh crap, you know, and then you have to go clean your shoes, but yeah, some sort of like... Well, if you were we were, weren't wearing shoes, you wouldn't be having that problem. Well, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the joy of nature. Yeah. Nature's beautiful. It's all beautiful, even if you have to go clean it off your feet. <laughs> There's a language somewhere. That's, that's, that's the quote right there. <laughs> that's the quote. That's a t-shirt, Katie, for our next rest week. <laughs> There's a, a language somewhere in the Pacific where they have a special word for um, searching for stuff on the bottom of the ocean with your feet. Oh, and that's cool. I am just, I love words, so I've been thinking about that a lot. So I kind of want to go in the ocean and look for stuff with my feet. And that's kind of a new goal for me. Yeah, as long as it's not a stingray. Yeah, you know, I've, I'll show you my stingray scar when I next see you. Remind me. Oh, what about urchin? Like, wasn't there like a sea urchin story? Didn't you walk oh, up yeah. sea urchins or something? Four, I still have four of those thorns in me out of 30. They're slowly coming out. Sea life is not her friend. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you get some water shoes. Yeah, maybe we'll get me some water shoes and some water gloves. <laughs> like a full body water something. Such switch to land animals. Yeah. Snakes. Much better. Much better. Well, Katie, this has been awesome. This is just so fun to talk about you. What is the best way for people to learn more about you and your uh, your teachings? Well, I mean, the real answer is just come over to my house. But um, since that's not an option for you know, anyone besides you two, of course, is just go to the website, you know, like... I don't know. What do you guys think? You guys are probably a better, like, what, what would what would you tell people is the best way? Like, what what is the I best? Would, I don't even know. I'm biased. I'm, I'm biased would, because. Uh, no, yeah. I would tell people, go to Katie Says and uh, just read a couple of blog posts and then go to Amazon and get Move Your DNA and mm -hmm. read Move Your DNA and then read everything else right after that because it's like crack. You just well, that's, that's yeah. Like it's a it's int it's interesting to me because you know the blog is so old and so dense. Like, what if you start with the first post? Like, that's really complicated. And you're like, this is too hard. It's like it's not, start with something easy. Like, I find that like I think the books are like the best way to start, even more than the blog. Move your DNA, or even just a foot book, right? Even just maybe even the foot book might be the new entry point. The, the, this, the, well, this book is much is very approachable, and it's a simple yeah. topic, so it's easy for them. To, well, I mean, it's simple but complex, right? Right? But it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's simple in the sense that oh, you know, I'm going to do this thing to work on my feet, and I think it's going to make a big difference to their lives, and then from there, they'll be hooked. 
Well, I start with the feet, right? Because all, no, all you're doing is you're everything waiting. follows. It's yes, there's that, but there's also you're gonna put a shoe on in the morning. Like, could you pick a slightly better shoe that's making you move more throughout the day, even without you changing any other moving habit? So I, I, I don't know. I'm 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 a fan of the feet. Like, there, it's the first top. It's the first body part I've written two separate books on. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, even a bigger fan than the pelvic floor. But those are coming. They'll, yeah, they'll be here as soon as I'm done hiking to my heart's content. <laughs> Little bits at a time. This has been awesome. I could do this every day, but I'm sure you couldn't. <laughs> well, well <laughs> I do do this every day. <laughs> I do this almost every day. It's crazy. Well, and you have a new book out, so you're probably going to be doing stuff like this quite a bit. I know. I gotta stop day. writing books. I'm gonna stop so, writing books. So to all of our listeners, we're gonna put all the links in the show notes. We're gonna put the link to Katie's book. Um, that's on Amazon now, and you can get it. And also, we're gonna put a link to the Audible Move Your DNA, so that you can listen while you're doing your walking on very exciting surfaces. There you go. Well, thanks yes. so much, guys. I appreciate it. Katie says dot com, right? Yep. K a t y. Why? Because that's how it's spelled. Exactly. Yeah, and if you forget, and if you forget how Katie spelled, you can go to restorativeexercise.com. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. If you forget how, if you forget how exercise is spelled, <laughs> consult a dictionary. Yes, you can just probably if you Google Katie Bowman, but you know it's yeah. Yeah, Kitty says comes right there. Yeah. It's weird, thing. creepy. It's so creepy. I know. Imagine how we feel. All right, feel. friends. All right. I know. Thank you, Katie. I feel sorry. I feel I feel bad for you guys. It's it's hard to, <laughs> you know, hang out with me all the time. I know. I know. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye. And we'll talk to you soon.